0: or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za This week when I was taking my kids to school, um, the radio was playing and the guy was busy having an interview with an expert professor about the coronavirus. Now, as you can imagine, there's so many news being spread around again, even now as we're thinking about the third wave, potential third wave, so much news being broadcast about this issue. And so they wanted to get an expert in because mom in the kitchen has an opinion, the, the friends at school have an opinion, people at church have an opinion. And everyone's telling everyone something different about what's real and what's not real. How are people being affected by this thing? And so they got gotten this expert to help people understand what really is going on with this vaccine. And as you can imagine, there's even uh, dedicated channels that broadcast news about the coronavirus, keeping us up to date, specific news channels that keep us informed. Now, the reality is the church also exists to be kind of a newsroom. Have you thought about it like that? We as a church function as a newsroom as well. Because we have a message that needs to be broadcasted. Think about it. Every time you engage with someone about Jesus, you are broadcasting a message of hope. A message that can really change their life forever. And you want to be certain and confident that you are giving people the right message of eternal hope, is it not? Because there is a message that can set them free from the power of this present evil age. But what exactly is that message? Because if we get it wrong, not only are you not going to set them free from this life, but you are damned in the one to come. Because the message of the church is the message of Galatians. It is a message that is truly good news. A message of freedom and liberation. It's a message from Jesus, about Jesus. This message, this good news is what Paul mentions to the Galatians right at the start of this letter. We saw in the first five verses. Because people are turning away from this message of grace. Because there are these people who want to come in and change the good news of Jesus. Adding to His finished work on the cross. We want to distort the message of free grace in Christ. The very news that God sent His Son to deliver us from this present evil age. The news that Jesus Christ has come and lived His life in perfect obedience to the law. Which means that He has fulfilled the requirements of the law. On behalf of those who look to Him by faith. Jesus suffered and died on the cross to pay the penalty and debt for sinful people that we owe. On behalf of, again, those who trust in Him by faith. And Jesus was raised from the dead to signal His sinlessness and His righteousness to show that God had accepted the sacrifice on behalf of the people of God. And then He prophetically proclaims that all who look to Him by faith will one day be raised to life like He was. And this is all grace. Free grace. There is nothing we can do to earn this salvation. This new life of freedom comes because sinners like us can be right made right with God because of Jesus. So this is an exclusive message. That's why we as a church should be saying, extra, extra, read all about it. We have the good news that people need so desperately. The only way to make to heaven is through Christ giving us His righteousness in exchange for your sinfulness. And we believe that in this day and age, people are becoming so tolerant to what it means to be religious. Not even just religious, we are becoming tolerant about what it means to be truly a Christian, where everything goes. And what happens is when we become so tolerant to all the lies around us, we start to distort the truth. And people start to turn their back on grace. The very grace they first received in Christ. Because here's the shocking reality that we find in our text today. Paul is amazed. Paul is shocked to hear how quickly people can turn from this gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's going to explain why it's such a big problem. Because by turning away from the message of Jesus means you are turning away from grace, and you are turning away from Jesus Himself. Take your Bibles and we'll read from Galatians 1, verses 6 to 9. Paul writes, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, and now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received? Let him be accursed. Last week we saw in the opening five verses of Galatians of chapter 1 how Paul started this letter talking to this audience, these churches in Galatia that he planted on his first missionary journey by taking them back to the grace of God in Jesus Christ giving us this initial greeting of the letter indicating how He is the messenger of authority with the message of authority being commissioned by Jesus Himself. And what was given to Him is this task of proclaiming this message to the Gentiles and to the ends of the earth. And we noted this is a hot letter from Paul. Different to those He's written in the New Testament. Because here in verses 6 and 9, He's revealing to us the occasion for the letter. The problem. The problem. Why it is that He has to write such a strong and rebuking letter. And it's because the churches in Galatia were facing a serious situation. You remember, we talked about it last time, where these false teachers were distorting the message of free grace. That Paul had initially proclaimed to them when he planted and started these churches. And now these false teaching is causing the believers to turn. They're turning away from grace. Leaving grace behind. And turning to a different message. One that says you have to do all these extra things on top of what Christ has done to be right with God. Where the equation goes... Jesus, yes, we we like Jesus, but plus your works. That equals true salvation. Now today, this should cause us to stop and think. Think about the danger of turning away from this exclusive message about Jesus. And make sure we truly understand it. And that we are not distorting the, the grace of Christ with other false messages. And that we are not distorting this pure message of the gospel. With our own efforts and behavior to be right with God. And so today we want to talk about the danger of turning away from grace. The danger of turning away from grace. And to do that, I want us to consider three things. Three things. First, we're going to talk about the nature of turning away from grace. That's verse 6. Then, how do we avoid turning away from grace? Verses 7 and 8. And then the warning... For those who are turning away from grace. Verses 8 and 9. So first, the nature of turning away from grace. Paul says, I am astonished. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. I mean, Paul says he is astonished. He is amazed. He is truly shocked. And the natural question for us should be, why is Paul so shocked and so astonished? It's because how quickly people are turning their back on grace. And so one of the first things we see about the nature of turning away from grace is that it can happen so quickly. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him. Now think about it from Paul's situation, his perspective. He has really labored hard to get these churches planted. He went through so many personal challenges, traveling over mountains, facing danger, being left for dead, and before anyone even responded to the gospel of Christ. And so picture him as he's sitting in his room, and this reports come to him that the church in Galatia is turning, so quickly after his departure, turning to a different message, that says you have to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses to be right with God. We needed all that work to preach to them that in fact Jesus did it all and we are free in Christ. It's like being at war for Paul where you're in this middle of the battle and people are busy changing sides in the middle of this fight. Where they want to go back to the dark side you could say. Which should be shocking to anyone, right? This idea of turning or deserting you is typically what someone does when he's switching sides. And typically if you do that in the middle of a war, it's punishable by death. And this is distressing to Paul because he really, really cares for these people. I mean, just later in chapter 4, verses 19 and 20, he says, My little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. He was their spiritual father. And they were like his own children. And he was perplexed at how quickly they are wanting to change sides again. But this is not something new, is it? Can you think of another example in the Old Testament? What about Exodus 32, verses 7 and 8, where Israel has been set free from Egypt. They received God's law and made a covenant with God. But immediately, while Moses is still up on the mountain talking with God, what are they doing? They made an idol, this golden calf, and worshipped this idol instead of worshipping God. And Paul, yeah, he's just as angry as Moses was in that moment. But instead of throwing down the stone tablets like Moses, he's throwing down a heart of concern in the letter of Galatians. To convince these believers to not turn away from grace. I mean, it's like when you tell your child to do something and just a few seconds later they do that very thing you told them not to do. So quickly they can turn from your instructions to follow their own thinking, their own desires, and the examples of others. And what was striking is not that Paul is surprised that these false teachers are doing what they're doing, because already in Acts 20 we know that Paul said these kinds of guys are going to come from within the church. What is astonishing and causing him so much frustration and righteous anger is that these believers in Galatia are entertaining these false ideas. They're distorting the message of Christ. Which makes it clear there wasn't much resistance, was there? There's not a lot of pushback going on from this church. Because of how quickly this happened. Which is like, wow, that should make us think this is pretty serious and scary, right? Because these guys are not being forced with a gun to the head or something to change sides... They did this voluntarily. Because they are not thinking straight. And so whether you have been a Christian for a short time. Or whether you have been a Christian for a long time. There is always going to be the danger around us. That those are going to come and try and lure us away. We want to distort the gospel of Christ. And cause us to rely on our own efforts. To be right with God. But Paul. Paul. In all of his astonishment knows this situation is not totally hopeless. Why? Why is Paul not totally hopeless in this moment? Because the word deserting or or turning here is used in a present tense verb, which means these guys are in the process of turning. They're in the process. It's happening as he is writing this letter. And so there's still hope that they can turn back. That's his hope, that God would use this letter to turn these these guys back to the gospel of grace. And so he's going to pour out his heart in this letter because he knows the truth. He knows these people in Galatia have embraced this truth before. But now they're turning. And he wants to turn them back. Because next he points out how personal this turning from grace is. He said, Paul says, I'm shocked. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you on the grace of Christ. Paul is making it very clear again, right here in this verse, that salvation is personal and it's God's doing. It's nothing you did. God is the one who called you to hear and embrace what Christ has done on your behalf. You didn't call yourself to become a follower of Jesus. He calls you. He opens your heart to the good news that's able to set you free. He opens the door to the life of sin in prison. This is the saving call from Romans 8 verse 30. It says, and those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. So this is God's calling. This is His doing. Experience this unique presence of God in your life through the work of the Holy Spirit. Timothy says, in 2nd, Paul writes in 2 Timothy 1, 8 and 9. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor for me His prisoner, but share in the sufferings of the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace. You see, the Galatians, like the Israelites, were forsaking the God who called them out of this Egyptian-like bondage to sin. And they're turning to a place of being enslaved once again. And when you turn from grace, it's not that you're just turning from a systematic theology about what God has done. This set of principles, you are turning away from God Himself the God of all grace, which means I'm turning my back on the one who showered me with his grace in the past on the cross and I'm turning my back on the one who supplies me with the grace for the future who gave himself for my sins willingly to rescue me from the present evil age. And it's personal and it's intense that Paul wants to show us and people wonder why are they not growing? Why are they struggling with sin so much? Is it perhaps that they have deserted Him? Who called them in the first place? And they're trying to do it all on their own. Because this calling was in grace. And we live in grace from every moment of salvation. And just think about it. If the grace of God had to stop for just one second. Just one second. Every one of us would be in trouble. We would perish in our sin. But God's grace doesn't stop because he, we have been called by the God of all grace, the one who called us in the grace of Christ. Paul is not speaking of losing your salvation here because he's talking with true believers in Galatia. We know this is because, true because of what he says in chapter 3, verse 3, where he says, Having begun in the Spirit, they embraced the Spirit of God in their life. You are now being perfected by the flesh, he asks. How can this be? We know that the Bible teaches that believers can't lose their salvation. But they are in danger of entertaining false teaching. That alters the gospel. That pollutes the gospel and this pure stream of living grace by putting this barrier between you and Jesus. And therefore you are severed, separated, Paul says, from the power of His fellowship and this grace. Galatians 5 verse 4. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the Lord. You have fallen away from grace. And then just down a few verses later. in Chapter 5 verse 7. It says you were running well. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from Him who calls you. You see God's calling. Is a calling to saving faith. If you have embraced the true call of God, you are His child forever. And we are called to live in this grace. To live it out by faith. Not relying on our own efforts. That is the gospel of Christ. Because if we do rely on our own efforts, essentially you are taking Christ out of the equation. This is not according to turn your back on grace. We need grace for every step of the way. That's why Paul himself said, By the grace of God I am what I am, and this grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. There was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Turning from grace is turning from the true gospel. It is stepping onto a performance religious treadmill. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm not a fan of a treatment. You're, you're running on the same spot for 30 minutes and all it does is it, it makes you tired and makes your knees hurt. It's the same if you're trying to work out your salvation by your own efforts. It leaves you in the same place, tired and hurting. And when you turn from God and His grace, it means you are turning to something else. In this case, Paul says, you are turning to another gospel. You are turning to a different message. And you are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, he says. A different gospel, Paul? The main point he's trying to make is there is just one gospel. There always has been and always will be one true saving message of Jesus Christ. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And what these Judaizers are telling you, church in Galatia, that is not it. This is not good news at all. Because perhaps they're saying, maybe they're trying to make these guys think that their message has to complete the message of Paul. But somehow he didn't have the full version. Paul's message was lacking. And you need to become integrated into the family of Abram. By getting circumcised. Bringing yourself under the law of God. The law that means true fullness in Christ and not fulfilled in Christ. So it might sound good to you, but it's not the truth. So you see when Paul refers you to a different gospel, he's not talking about there is another gospel. It's more like he's talking about news of a different nature. Because Paul immediately corrects himself saying, there is no other gospel. Not that there is another one. Which means there is only one message of grace. And if you turn away from grace, guess what? You have nowhere else to go. You have nowhere else to go because there is no other way to be right with God. So we are confronted with this reality today that Believers can be led astray by false teaching. And we see the danger and the nature of turning to another false message that it can happen very quickly. It means you are turning away from God Himself, the one who gave His entire life for you. Turning away from grace and turning to a different message. One that puts you at the center of choosing how you want to relate to God. And if we are going to avoid crossing back over to the dark side, then we need to understand what these false teachers are doing. But secondly, how do you avoid turning away from grace? How do you avoid turning away from grace? Paul says, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel that... Contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. If we are going to preserve the purity of the gospel and avoid turning away from it, then you have to be able to see the difference between what is true and what is false, right? You need to be able to spot the lie and the liar. You need to know the true gospel of justification by faith and you need to live it out every single day. And so the question for you is, can you identify the false teacher and his message? But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. We need to realize here that it's not those who flat out deny the gospel that are so dangerous. It's those who are slightly altering it. Remember, these Judaizers, they believe in Jesus. They also believed in adding all these other things. These performance ways of relating to God. So they give the appearance that they love God. They want to control you by enslaving you to their system. They appear as if they're leading people to Christ. When in fact they are building walls to block out the grace of Christ. So Paul says specifically two things about these false teachers and their strategy. Do you see it? First, they want to trouble you. And secondly, they want to distort the message of Christ. So these Judaizers were troubling the Galatians by saying things like, Yes, we Jews, we've been worshipping God for a very long time. A lot longer than you Gentiles have. So we really know how this all works. You really want to be right with God, then you need to get circumcised. And so to be troubled, we can translate that word as to be shaken up. To be shaken up. That's what this word troubled means. It means to be shaken up. The same word when Zachariah saw the angel. The same word when Herod came to hear about Jesus. This is a heart that is troubled. And the problem is, once your heart is troubled like this, the emotions take over, right? And when you are given a different option... That somehow seems viable and very similar to the one you already believe. And all your clouded thinking, you're actually in very much danger. And you start to turn away from grace to this new alternative. And so think about it even in your own life. When your soul is troubled or shaken by something that is happening to your life, you get scared, discouraged, confused. And it's exactly then when we are vulnerable, in this vulnerable position, and the lies being presented to us seem so true, right? Jesus was sufficient for you up until this point, but as you go through something difficult, you hear this other message that you just have to pull up your socks. You have to try harder. That somehow we've been getting it wrong all this time. We need to perform again to be right with God. You're so shaken that you can't think straight. And you see, when we take the law of Moses and we add it to the gospel, it reverses and changes its character. That's what the word distorts then actually means. To distort is to reverse something in this context. First the all, teachers try to trouble you, and then they try to distort the message. They want to shake you up, and then they want to reverse the truth. Now how are people reversing the truth? Well, let's look at a simple example from Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so clearly from this text, we see an order. First, we are saved by grace alone. And then, second, for good works. These good works come after we have received the grace, not before. And when we do we do not receive grace after we have done enough to work out our salvation. Because that is a reversal of the gospel. If your response to your shaking situation is, I need to do more again to be right with God. To earn His grace again, you are reversing the gospel. And the sad thing is, people are reversing the gospel all the time. It happens here in the church. It happens in societies all around us because we become so used to of thinking of relating to God as just being a nice person. Think of your friend, perhaps he... You're not sure if he's a believer, but everyone knows he's a super nice guy. He's a morally upright person who never does anything wrong to harm anyone or be unkind. He's polite, he's friendly, a really good guy. But as one man says, while morality might keep you out of jail, it cannot keep you out of hell. If moral behavior was enough to get you to heaven, then Jesus died for nothing. And so the church is not saying we need more moral and sincere, kind people in the church family, in our society. We need people who recognize that they need the perfect righteousness that they do not have. And Jesus is the only way to get that perfect righteousness. And here's the thing, He gives it freely. We sang about it just now. Costly grace you freely give. To those who would trust in Him for their righteousness. So what the church is saying and should be saying is that if you mess up in this life, run back to grace. Run back to Him who called you in the grace of Christ. But the reality is that we are confronted with these false teachers all around us. Who want to trouble you and distort the message. So the question is, can you identify when they are making these slight changes to the message of Jesus? It's like when people say, the only way to be truly satisfied in life and free is when I have enough money and resources. That's a different gospel, right? Because the more money I give, the more blessed and righteousness I have with God. What about the gospel of family values where if I do family devotions religiously, then God is pleased with me and everything will go well with my family. And what about the gospel of respect that says the more serious I am about the Christian life, more people will respect me and think more about me. And what makes all these things so dangerous is that what they offer is really beneficial to us. It's good to have financial resources. It's good to do family devotions. It's good to be respected. But if the basis for my approval before God is any one of those things, and not Jesus, you are reversing the gospel. And so Paul is like, let me show you how serious I am about this. Let's put this to the test. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, Paul is like, you have to be so certain about the apostolic message of Christ, that even if Paul, even if I come back to you and tell you something different, you should turn your back on me. He's like, well, if you don't believe me, let me make it more serious. Even if an angel from God should come to you and give you another message... You shouldn't listen to that message because you have the one message already that is in Christ alone. The only message you will ever need. And so just take a moment and imagine that for a second. If we were really confronted with an angel of God, we would be pretty intimidated and overwhelmed, right? If God had to come right here, right now and tell us something different. He says, Jesus says you have to come to Him but first you should be baptized. Then you will be truly saved. We would be tempted to believe this angel maybe, right? Paul says, even if this angel comes. No, no, no. Turn your back on what He says. Or any other person who comes to you and distorts the true message of Christ. Jesus saved you, and He's going to carry you by His grace through faith. And Paul might be alluding to angels here, because, you know, in the Old Testament, we see the angels being involved in giving of the law. We see this in Galatians 3.19. Why then the law? Well, it was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. But it's clear that Paul is trying to make a point that even if he or the spectacular messenger of God should come like an angel and preach a different message than the one that we already have from Jesus through Paul, then that person is in trouble. Not only should we not listen to that altered message, because next they mention, Paul mentions the consequences if you do. Which brings us to number three. The warning of turning away from grace. So we've looked at the nature of turning from grace and how we can prevent from turning from grace by knowing the truth and identifying the lies and now the warning for those who are turning away from grace. Let him be accursed. Now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. We need to feel the weight of what Paul is saying here. The weight of the consequences of listening and entertaining these false teachers. If anyone else comes and changes the message of Christ, Paul is saying here, this divine message comes with divine judgment. Paul is like, change that message, cursed are you. But what does it mean to be cursed by God? When we think of cursed, we maybe think of these some coming out and saying something. We're not talking about that stuff. Think about the creator of the universe cursing you. Because you're messing with the message of his son. The word accursed here is the word anathema. Anathema, which means devoted to destruction. Devoted to destruction, which... We see in the Old Testament as well... And how God devoted ancient Jericho to destruction in Joshua 6... When Achan took things that was actually devoted to destruction themselves... And in doing that, he brought judgment on him and the fellow Israelites. We see it in Numbers 21.3 where it says... And the Lord heeded the voice of Israel and gave over the Canaanites... And they were devoted their cities to destruction. And in the New Testament... There's a similar sense of being devoted to destruction. Listen to this. Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Let him be anathema. The point is that the wrath of God will fall on anyone who preaches a gospel different to the gospel that the Galatians first heard from Paul. So this is a serious warning that he gives because he doesn't exclude himself from this curse, does he? If anyone should do this, even me, then we are under the judgment of God. So Paul's not saying you will simply be labeled a heretic. Yes, that might happen, but he's saying you will be eternally condemned. And so yes, we... As a church, we want to see the gospel go forth everywhere. But we want the true gospel to go forth everywhere. Think of Paul in prison in Philippi. What did he say? He says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put there for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and that I rejoice. So Paul is saying that even the gospel can be proclaimed by people with the wrong motives, as long as it's the true gospel. But here in Galatia, he's not happy because people are messing with the message of Jesus. And he says these people are going to be set apart for judgment for destruction which should make us go wow do I really understand this message of grace am I getting it right have I altered it in any way can I spot the difference Spurgeon said if you meet with a system of theology that magnifies man flee from it as far as you can The warning is to be so seriously taken because people's lives are at stake. In Romans nine verse three, Paul says, "For I could wish that I myself were accursed, anathema, and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh." He said that he would rather be cut off, be devoted to destruction, than to see his brothers condemned. That's how seriously took this matter. And so he's strongly reminding us how exclusive this message of Jesus really is. Galatians 5 verse 2 tells them later, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. In other words, if you believe that being circumcised makes you more acceptable to God, then you don't need Jesus. And if you want to save yourself then, then you have to keep the whole law Perfectly. And if you don't, guess what? Galatians 3, verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. You're going to try and keep the law. You better keep all of it. And you can't. So where are you going to turn? Are you going to turn to Jesus? Or you're just gonna try harder. Why would anyone trade the free pardon of grace for the wrath of God? Paul repeats this warning in verse 9. Because this is a warning from that he's they've heard before, and they need to evaluate what they heard from Paul and what they received from him. And evaluate if there's any any contradictions or alterations to this message. Because if there is and they follow that, they will be accursed. And so it's clear, turning away from grace is dangerous. It's dangerous. It can happen very quickly. Do we even give pushback when we hear something different? We have seen that when we turn away from grace, we are turning from God Himself. And think about everything Jesus did on your behalf. And you're saying, Jesus, that is just not enough. You're turning to a false gospel. One that cannot save you. That cannot help you grow. And if we're going to avoid turning away, then we need to be able to identify the subtle lies that so consume our day. That allow us to take our eyes of Christ and put it on ourselves all this tradition and cultural practices that we need to be right with God. We need to hold on to that. I'm justified completely by what Christ has done. And even if I mess up in this life, I go back to grace again and again and again. We have the truth right in front of us and we have to grip it with both of our hands. And I like how, again, how Spurgeon says it. He says it so well. Cling tightly with both your hands. When they fail, catch hold of it with your teeth. And if they give away, hang on with your eyelashes. Don't let go of the true gospel of grace. And as we saw from last week, it means the scripture has to be our final authority. Not even an angel should persuade us of something different. Because we have the inspired word of God through the teachings of the apostles. And we have this warning, that if anyone messes with the gospel, they are under the judgment of God. And if we hear this warning, this will help us not to turn to all the lies that are out there. And all the lies that's going on here in our minds and in our hearts when we are shaken by the challenges of life. And even at the end of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 9, Paul says to the church, do not give up. And so even if we see someone drifting, we too should not give up on them, right? We might be shocked like Paul is that they are turning away from grace. That they are so quickly deserting God who called them in the grace of Christ. But the truth of grace should motivate us, like it did Paul, to go after those who are turning away. Who are deserting God. And remind them of the pure truth of the gospel. Do you know the pure truth of the gospel? So they can turn back to Christ and only Christ. Because we are living in a world that tells us that all religions can make their way to heaven somehow. But all these other religions, they are on this treadmill of going nowhere. They are reversing the gospel. Trying to make it about you getting to this next life where all the things you have to do to be right with God. Where Jesus says, I did it all. Let me give you an example of how serious this can be. Last year we heard of a missionary whose daughter got involved with someone online and he was able to convince her to meet up with her. He's from a Muslim background. He seems sincere, loving and generous and kind. She turned her back on the grace she heard for so many years and she's still missing today. They don't know where she is. makes me think of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 3 to 4. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaim, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Are you putting up with the difference? gospel are you going to end up like this girl turning her back on grace because many modern-day false systems they seem so attractive and they they appeal to us emotionally they promote love and unity and and all those nice things and these false teachers they, they seem popular because they come across as warm and endearing and inspiring claiming to have this great love for God and for others And that's why Paul says a few verses later in Corinthians, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And that's why Martin Luther warned the church when he said, There is a clear and present danger that the devil may take away from us the pure doctrine of faith and may substitute for it the doctrines of works and of human traditions. It is very necessary, therefore, that this doctrine of faith in Christ alone be continually read and heard in public. Are we broadcasting the message, the only message of freedom to the world around us? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you speak to us through your word. Thank you that even today we are so sternly warned again of the danger of turning away from grace. Turning to a life of enslavement once again. Trying to earn your favor. Earn um, your love. And Lord, we know we get shaken up by the challenges of this life. Protect us from the lies out there. Help us to hold on to the truth. Help us to swim in the grace of God in Christ. Help us to listen to this calling that you've given us in Christ. Help us to embrace the total forgiveness that we have in Christ. Even as we look back to the cross again and again and again, we are reminded that Jesus did it all. There's nothing we can do to earn this grace on our own. Why do we think we need to earn it now? Thank you that you are a patient, merciful, loving God. Help us, Lord, we pray. If there's anyone here today that is turning, I pray, Lord, that you would turn them back. If there's anyone that we know about that needs to be turning, Lord, help us to go after them with the grace of Christ to see them turn back. Lord, if there's anyone here that's trying to Earn their approval before you because of what they've done. Help them to turn back to grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.